You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Pipe down. Uh, Most of you know this story, but it's one of my favorites, so it's my prerogative as the pastor to tell it again. Uh, On the second year of House for All Sinners and Saints, uh, we were talking about what stewardship would look like here at House when Stuart, true to form, said, oh, I know. (laughs) And I said, oh, great. Well, what's that? And Stuart goes, we're going to make t-shirts. And I said, oh, yeah? He goes, yeah. On the front, it's going to say, this shit ain't free. And on the back, it's going to say, so you better tithe, bitches. (laughs) I mention this because the parable we just heard will be used all over the world today as preachers talk about stewardship. The term stewardship pertains to the responsibilities of those to whom something has been entrusted, the care shown with resources which have been given to you, but really it's just religious code language for church fundraising. And anyone who has spent much time in church will know that a lot of those stewardship sermons will likely fall into two common pitfalls when when churches talk about money. One, being so vague and euphemistic that nobody actually knows the sermons about money. Or two, doing that weird manipulative thing where they're like, now think for a minute, given the fact that he sent his son to die for you, what amount of offering do you think God would want you to make? The reason I think that people are so prone to manipulation like this is because money is so often a place where we experience fear and shame. Fear we won't have enough. Fear we will never save enough to have that worry and work-free, wealthy retirement that is the promised land of the American dream. Fear that what we do have will be taken from us with a single diagnosis. But it's also a place of shame. Shame about being poor. Shame about being rich. Shame for how little we give to charity. Shame for how much we spend on coffee. Shame about the amount of debt we have. And this week I started wondering if maybe the more fear and shame we have about something, the more prone we are to manipulation by the culture, by the media, and especially by the church. But rest easy, good people of House for All Sinners and Saints, for your pastor is not using this text to talk about financial stewardship. No. I'm going to use this text to talk about the other thing you don't discuss in polite company, which is sex. (laughs) I want to talk about sexual stewardship in the parable of the talents. So the story goes that a rich dude gives away an absolute fortune. Talent meaning a very large sum of money and not, as you might think, something like the ability to juggle or tap dance. (laughs) He gives this treasure to three servants before leaving on a trip, and I find this little tidbit interesting in our text. He gives a different amount to three different people because those different people were exactly that, different. The first two take the treasure, this gift that was given to them, and they use it. They're smart with this gift, and they flourish. 
But the third person does something very different, mainly because they have a very troubling view of the rich guy. Even though the rich guy generously entrusted them with an amazing treasure, they were afraid of him for some reason. They thought him to be harsh, a harsh man. And unlike the first two, they never saw the treasure as a gift. They saw it as a trick. So much so that they dug a hole and buried the treasure rather than having to struggle with it, make decisions about it, and take some risks with it. This parable made me think of the interviews I've done with so many of you for the book I'm working on because I've heard the same story over and over. Many of you were told by the church that God is a harsh God who reaps where he does not sow. This God may have made you a sexual being, but that unless you are straight and a virgin when you enter a heterosexual marriage, you should shut down the gift of your sexuality. Your fear of God's judgment should motivate you to not have sexual relationships and not be integrated as a sexual and spiritual and physical person. Indeed, you should not even think sexual thoughts. In other words, your sexuality is not a gift. It is a trick. And it's so dangerous and so destructive that the best thing would be if you just bury it altogether. That's the safest thing. And many of you were offered a lot of creative ways of doing this. Purity rings, accountability partners, and daddy-daughter dances. But again, there's a reason we are so prone to manipulations like this. Because like money, sex is also a place of fear and shame for so many of us. Shame that we were too sexual too young. Shame we were virgins till we were 30. Shame that we're in a sexless marriage. Shame that we don't really want sex when society implies we should. Shame we kind of want sex all the time. Afraid that we will never have a lover again. Afraid we will never be considered worthy of desire. Afraid of exposing that part of us again after being assaulted. Afraid of being free and uninhibited. Like with money, there are a million ways the gift has turned to the place of fear or shame. Now, I know the following claim will seem terribly solipsistic, given that I'm a theologian, but I suggest theology matters. I mean, our view of God will determine our view of ourselves and others and our bodies, and our sexuality. Theology can harm or it can heal. Because bad theology creates fear and shame, and fear and shame make us more easily manipulatable. It's interesting to note that in churches where God is viewed as harsh and angry and judgmental and punishing, a lot more money is raised and a lot more rules around sex are established than in churches where God is taught to be generous and merciful and abounding in steadfast love. Bad theology can lead us to bury our money in the ground and to think that there's no way God created us to enjoy the bodies we were given. 
harsh beliefs about God can lead us to live our lives all the way to our deathbed, desperately clutching to treasure entrusted to us, never having taken it out of the box, believing that's what God asks of us. But as Christians, don't we confess that there is indeed a spiritual aspect to everything we've been entrusted with, our bodies, our minds, our planet, our children, our humor, our creativity. And as this congregation has spent a lot of the last year engaged in conversations about sex, so I think it needs to be said from this pulpit, there's absolutely spiritual aspect to our sexuality. Because having a sexual nature as a human is a gift that the Creator endowed with us. And if you've been told that God is a manipulative capricious jerk who's trying to trick you, you have been lied to, and I'm sorry. The way we view God and relate to our bodies and think of our sexuality can be a sign of our spiritual health. It is such a foundational part of us that when that part of us is manipulated or hurt or exploited or harassed, It affects us spiritually. But you know what? The fact that we believe that all human beings are made in the image and likeness of God and that God went so far as to have their own human body and walk among us as Jesus allows us to absolutely insist on dignity. It allows us to insist on the self-determination of our bodies and our pleasure and our hearts and to insist on the self-determination of the same for others. It allows us to not live in fear or shame of how God created us and the gifts God has entrusted to us. It allows us to call out sexual harassment and assault and every other way that the inherent dignity of human bodies is compromised. It allows us to be free from shame and fear and all the other things that make us prone to negative messaging about our bodies and sexuality. And like the way the rich guy knew that each of the three servants was different, so too do we confess that every one of us is different, entrusted with different qualities, different capacities. Every one of us is different and not one of us is special. You're not special for being straight or gay or male or cis or trans or asexual or married. It just doesn't work like that. We all have the same God who placed the same image and likeness within us all. So as our opening hymn says, may we all seek and find a God supremely kind. So whatever flourishing looks like for you, That's what I would love to see happen in your life. I know we aren't supposed to talk about sex and that when the church historically has spoken about this part of our lives, it has done so through shaming and legalism, representing a harsh God, but I want more for all of us. I want you to live in the joy of your createdness, not in the outer darkness of fear and shame. I want you to find beauty and pleasure in your human bodies, to treat yourself and others as if you are are holy because you are. Amen.